Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us in Oak Creek Franklin, those joining us online, to everyone in Greenfield. It's great to be here with you today. If we haven't yet met, my name is Tyler and I serve as one of the pastors here at the Ridge. And today we are in part two of a series that we kicked off last week called Against the Grain. And there's one question that is driving uh, this series. And the question is, well, how do you live your best life now? And this is a question that many of us ask. In fact, there's been over 12 billion searches on Google asking this very question. And you know, Google can answer anything. And so Google gives its answers. And some of the answers that Google gives uh, fall in line with, hey, just live in the present moment, uh, do what feels right, follow your heart because the heart wants what the heart wants. And, and we just hear others uh, just tell us that um, is a way that we can live our best life now. But last week, we actually uh, just kind of went beneath the layers of that question a little bit. And we just started asking ourselves, well, how did we arrive to this answer to the question? Because there's something influencing that answer, although we, we aren't sure what, what's influencing it. There's something that's influencing it because long ago, answers uh, to that question weren't that. The answer to the question, how do you live your best life now, long ago was, hey, you were made for something beyond you. And so you live for whatever it is uh, that's beyond you. And your purpose and your identity is found in that. But, but recently, and by recently, it was over 100 years or so, culture began to shift. And it shifted towards this answer of how do you live your best life now? The answer is found in these two words, my truth. And you find this in my truth, and what my truth is, it's a byproduct of having my pleasure and living for ourselves. And we, we say it in some different ways, like, well, hey, follow your heart. The heart wants what your heart wants. You know, you just do you. Now, last week, we saw where this began to break down. And, and, and we're living for ourselves and our pleasure has taken us to a spot where we just feel more empty and more unfulfilled because we were made to live for something so much bigger than just ourselves and just our pleasure. And so we're looking at a different answer, a better answer to this question. And that answer actually comes to us from a guy named John, who is one of Jesus's closest followers. And he wrote this about Jesus. Here was his answer. This passage is driving the series. It said, in him was life. And him is being Jesus, the author and the essence of our life the one who can actually satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. And in him being life just simply means this. Hey, what is true of Jesus is actually true of us as well. And so his, his power, his freedom, his victories, his life, can be true of ours as well. And so what we're doing throughout this series is we're actually going on this journey up until Easter where we're discovering what it means to have life in Jesus. And this is where we're gonna bump into a challenge because what we're gonna see is that this uh, life in Jesus actually goes against the grain of a culture that says just live for yourself and live 
for your pleasure. But, but we want to be up for the challenge because what we'll discover and our hope and our prayer is, is that we'll learn what it means to find life and live life in Jesus. And so if you're new with us or if you missed last week, I really can't encourage enough. Go to our YouTube channel or follow us on podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, and listen to part one because that really lays the foundation for where we're going uh, throughout uh, the, the series. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of the biggest against the grain ideas that Jesus introduced for us to find life in him. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you're going to see how this is going to really go against the grain because like that song we just listened to a little bit ago, it rebels against a culture that says, hey, you find your best life by living for your truth and your pleasure. But what we'll see and what I hope you'll see is that this actually paves the way for us to experience life in Jesus. Because if we get this one, this one will actually help us begin to unlock and experience the other against the grain ideas that we have uh, from Jesus. And so we're going to jump into uh, this big against the grain idea from Jesus today. And to set it up, we actually need to understand the time that, that, that Jesus lived in. And he lived in ancient Israel when the Roman Empire w- was ruling and oppressing many, many different nations. And what the ancient Israelites or the Jewish people believed was that God was going to send a Messiah or a Savior to come and free them from the oppression uh, of, of the Roman Empire. And so they're, they're, they're waiting for God to send this uh, promised Savior, and they're watching Jesus. And Jesus' movement is just growing rapidly back then. In fact, Jesus has these great teachings. He's performing all these miracles. He's healing a lot of people. And so many people are getting really interested in Jesus, and they're seeing all of these people starting to follow him. They're starting to have these wonders, like, hey, is Jesus going to be it? Is he, is he the promised Messiah? In fact, Jesus even hears the chatter about him, and he starts asking his inner circle. He's like, hey, what are people saying about me? And what do you say about me? And they start telling him, like, hey, we, we think you're it. We think you might even be the Messiah or, or the Savior that God is going to send. And what's really interesting about Jesus is he doesn't deny it. But Jesus ends up telling them something that goes against the grain of their view of the Messiah. And here, here's what Jesus tells them. He says, the Son of Man, which is another reference to the idea of God's uh, Savior he's going to send. The Son of Man must suffer. Whoa, hold on, Jesus, they're thinking. That goes against the grain of our view of the Messiah. This word suffer, I mean, don't you mean conquer? Don't you mean overcome? Don't you mean we, we free them? Like, like Jesus, hold on, we, we, we don't know about the Son of Man suffering. And Jesus continues, he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And then he says, and he must be killed. Whoa, Jesus, hold up. If you're killed, that means you lose. And if you lose, that means we lose. We didn't sign up for that. That goes against the grain of what we are thinking. And before they can challenge Jesus with these questions and these wonders, Jesus just just turns it up and he flips it up on, on them and on you and me. And Jesus introduces to us our against the grain idea. And here's what Jesus says. He said to them all, well, whoever wants to be my disciple, and a disciple is, is a learner who ends up becoming someone who thinks the way their teacher thinks and does the things that their teacher does. That, that's their goal. In fact, today, uh, one of the best ways to think about it would be like a tradesman apprentice. 
how a plumber develops another plumber, an electrician, another electrician. Like you want them to think and do exactly as you do. And so Jesus is inviting them. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, who wants to do what I do, they must deny themselves. Literally take your self-interest and what you want and put it to the side and, and actually go ahead and put the priorities of your teacher ahead of your own. And, and you, we can see how this goes against the grain of a culture uh, uh, that, that actually says, hey, just live for yourself and you do you and, and follow your heart. Like, we're just gonna put that to the side. And like, hey, Jesus, that sounds really hard. But Jesus actually takes that idea and just dials it up even further. He says, you must deny themselves and then take up their cross. <gasps> I mean, they're, they're gonna gasp at this one. Like, Jesus, you can't say that word. That's like Voldemort from Harry Potter. You, you, you just can't talk about this. And the reason for this, why this is so bad, they knew what a crucifixion was. They knew what a cross was. They saw it on a regular basis. But it was just this horrible punishment that was done and reserved for the worst of the worst. They, they, they would see it done often, and they'd see the, these uh, criminals be hung up in the Roman Empire. They would use this as a way to deter people, saying, hey, you have to follow us, or if you don't follow us, you're going to end up like them. And so... They, they're like, we, we don't want to talk about that. But Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, my disciple, you must carry your cross. You must carry this, this horrible thing. And not just one time, daily, on a regular basis. Meaning to follow Jesus is, is to persistently carry this uncomfortable weight in order to follow him and be his disciple. And, and they would respond and we would respond and say, well, that doesn't sound like life. I mean, that, that's not how I, I would, would live my best life now. Why would I willingly go and do that? And this is where Jesus is introducing this huge against the grain idea. And what he's talking about is surrender. And surrender literally means to give control over to blank. And, and you can fill in the blank of whatever it is that you are surrendering to. And, and you can see how this goes against the grain uh, uh, of our culture. Because in our culture, we don't like surrender. We don't want to talk about surrendering to something else. Because when we surrender, it goes against two of our biggest fears. And the two fears are this. Hey, I'm afraid that I'm going to give up my control. And I'm afraid that I'm going to give up my comfort. And so let's talk about this. And, and, and we'll first start with control. I mean, a lot of us, we, we want to be in control. We spend a lot of time, energy, money, effort uh, to maintaining control. We want to be in control of our relationships. We want to be in control of our kids, our bodies, our career, our finances. And some of us would say, well, at least I'm in control and, and, and I'm good at it. But, but let, let's be honest. Our ability to control things, we know this, it's a myth. We aren't really in control. Uh, last summer, uh, these squirrels actually set up a nest in my backyard and they started taking over a tree and they got into my wife's garden, started eating her plants and she was getting upset about it. And so I'm thinking, hey, now's the time for me to be a good husband. I'll get rid of these squirrels. And so I go where every homeowner goes. I went on Amazon and I started searching and I'm like, hey, what, what's a way that I can get rid of these squirrels? And I found this spray that said, won't hurt them. It won't, won't hurt uh, the, the plants. It'll just cause them to just get out of our backyard. 
And so I'm like, okay, I ordered it. It shows up a couple days later. We got the box with a smiley face. I open it up and I look at the spray and I read the instructions and the instructions say, hey, just spray the plants that I want to uh, keep the squirrels away from just every other day. The squirrels aren't going to like the smell of it so that they're just going to end up and go maybe in my neighbor's yard. I'm like, okay, that sounds like a deal. And, and so uh, I, I go ahead, take, uh, take the spray. I start spraying these plants. I don't like the smell of it. I want to get out of my backyard. So I'm like, surely the squirrels will want to get out. And I do this for every other day for a couple weeks. I'm, and I'm starting to wonder, when are the squirrels going to go away? Because they're bringing friends. <laughs> and they just keep showing up. They keep getting into the garden. Some of them have babies. And so then we have more of them. And it's just like, it just keeps taking it. And I'm like trying to spray and spray. And I'm trying to control these squirrels all summer long. And it wasn't working. And for many of us, I mean, we, we can relate. We want to be in control. We try to be in control, but deep down, we know this. We aren't in control. We can't control the things that we want to control. And so we try to be in control, and then what happens? We are filled with anxiety and worry because we're trying to control it, but deep down, we, we just know we aren't in control. And that's why Jesus invites us and says, I want you to surrender. Just give that control over to me. And this leads to the next fear that we have. Well, Jesus, if I do that, I'm afraid I'm going to give up my comfort. And we like to be comfortable. And by comfort, we mean, hey, we're going to do whatever we can to make life easy. And we want to make life easy so it is that we can do whatever we, we want, so we can live for ourselves and, and, and have our pleasure. And when we make life easy, I mean, we don't have pain. We, we don't have struggles. I mean, we, we do whatever we can to minimize our pain so we can maximize our comfort and just take life easy. But here's what we know. Nothing of significance happens in the comfort zone. I've never heard a story of life change or, or something really, really significant that's happened and said, hey, you know how I was able to change this? You know how I was able to bring this great solution to this problem and able to change, turn this around? You know, I just took my foot off the gas. You know, I just stayed comfortable. You know, I, I, I just made it easy. You know, never heard a story of anything changing significant while someone was just taking life easy and being comfortable. And what happens when, when we stay in our comfort zone, what happens is we end up feeling even more empty and even more unfulfilled. Um, it's about six months before my wife and I moved up to Wisconsin. I was uh, spending some time with a close friend of mine and I uh, was just telling him what was going on in my life. And wh what was going on in my life at that time on the outside uh, was looking really, really good. Uh, my, my wife and I were, uh, were a couple years into marriage. We were living in Northwest Illinois, an area that, that we grew up in. And uh, we had this uh, three bedroom, uh, newly renovated townhome that, that we were renting. We had a great deal on this townhome, so, so we knew it. So financially, we were pretty secure. We both had stable jobs and secure jobs. My, my wife was working at a job that she absolutely loved. I was on staff um, at a church at the time in, in Northwest Illinois, serving as her student pastor. And uh, we were near friends, we were near family members, I mean, everything on the outside was just looking really good. Um, but there was something inside of me that was just wrestling with my purpose, and I was feeling empty, and, and, and I was feeling unfulfilled. See, the church that I was serving at, we weren't taking significant risks to, to really reach our community. It was just the status quo, whatever happened last year, let's do the same time this year and do it again and again. And um, it, it, it was easy, and, and, and I, was, I was doing it, and I was doing well in it. But it just felt like the same thing, being on the treadmill over and over and over again. I was just wrestling with, hey, is, is there supposed to be more than this? And, and I was telling my friend what was going on and, and how I was just feeling empty inside. And he just stopped me. He said, Tyler, here's what's going on. You're just really comfortable right now. 
life has just gotten just a little too easy for you. And, and when I heard this, it was like a punch in the gut. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I, we, we've drifted into a spot where we're just living in the comfort zone and, and it's about mine and it's about her comfort. And, and as a result of it, I was just feeling even more empty and more unfulfilled. And so that's why Jesus says, step out of the comfort zone. It's gonna be difficult, but you're going to find something so much better than making life easy. So give control and surrender to me. And then we might wonder, well, Jesus, why surrender to you? You just talked about the uncomfortable weight of carrying our cross every day. That doesn't sound like life. Well, well, well Jesus would know that that would be a response. And so here's what Jesus says about why we would want to do this. He says, for whoever wants to save their life by holding on to control and holding on to comfort, whoever will save their life will actually end up losing it because they're gonna end up feeling more empty and unfulfilled because that's the promise that living for ourselves it can't deliver on. It doesn't meet the deepest longings of our soul. And so Jesus then says, but whoever loses their life for me, and, and it will cost something. It will cost us giving up our control, stepping out of the comfort zone and doing something that's difficult. Whoever loses their life for me will actually save it because they'll find life in Jesus, the life that John wrote about. And then Jesus asks us this question. And this question is something that all of us, regardless of however long we've been following Jesus or not, or even if we're just checking Jesus out, he asks us a question that's so brilliant, we have to wrestle to the ground. And here's what he asks us. Well, what good is it? for someone to gain the whole world, get everything you want, get everything that, that your hearts desire. What, what good is it to get all of that and yet lose or forfeit your very self where you miss out on your purpose and you feel empty and unfulfilled? What good is it? How good will it turn out for you? I was listening to a, a podcast the other day um, who's hosted by uh, Pastor Brian Tome, who's a pastor out in Ohio. And uh, he was actually interviewing a special guest. It was a special episode on his podcast. And he was interviewing uh, this guy who was a former porn star turned pastor named Joshua Broom. And yes, you heard me right. And so it's a very interesting story. It's like, okay, how did that go? And so, um, so Brian was actually asking Joshua about his story and how he ended up in the industry and, and, and what led him out uh, to that industry. And what Joshua was, was saying was he, he, he was considered successful in the industry. And so he, he would have... A, a lot of sex and he get paid a lot of money for it and uh, he made a lot of money as a result. He was living in, in a gorgeous house on, on the coast and on the outside things were just looking really, really good for him. But I want you to notice how he described his experience at that time. Here, here, here's a quote that he shared with Brian. He said, I believe the lie that if I made money, I was going to be happy. He said, I made well over a million dollars and I traveled everywhere I wanted to go. I had all the sex I could have ever imagined. But once I had it all, my life fell apart because it amplified the sorrow and the emptiness that I always felt inside. Or as Jesus would say, he gained the whole world and he lost himself. And so he starts sharing more of his story and he, and he said he got to a spot that, that was just really, really dark for him. He wasn't sure what life, uh, what, if life was even worth living at that point. 
and, and, and he was just reaching his, uh, his version of rock bottom for him. And he began to tell his story where he actually ended up meeting someone, and this person invited Joshua to church. And it was at that church service that he actually ended up making the decision to follow Jesus and to surrender to him and give him control of his life. And it cost him because he ended up walking away from the porn industry. He, he lost his million dollars. He, he lost the house that he was living in. He moved across the country. He could hardly find a job because of what has, has happened in his former life. He described that there were weeks and months. He wasn't sure how he was going to make ends meet. And, and, and it was difficult for him. And, and, and Brian asked him in the, in the, towards the end of that podcast, he's like, did you ever think about trading it all back? And he said, no. I never thought about it because although I lost all of that, here's what I gained. I gained so much. I gained my life in Jesus. And what I discovered was giving him control and surrendering to him, it was worth it. Now, yours and my story, it may not be like Joshua's, but Jesus is asking us the exact same question. What good is it? What good is it to gain the whole world and yet lose yourself in the process? And so Jesus just says, hey, come, come, give me control. Step out of the comfort zone and follow me. And if you're wrestling with this and struggling with this because of how hard this sounds, the good news is you're getting it. Because if it weren't a struggle, it wouldn't be surrender. And that's why Jesus wants us to, to, to surrender to him. But if you're wrestling with, hey, do I do this? Do I give him control and step out of the comfort zone and, and wrestle with this? If you're wrestling with it because, because of that idea of how hard it's going to be, I just want to remind you of who Jesus is. Jesus is not the life taker. He's the life giver. And he wants to give us life. He wants us to live our best life now. And we experience that in him. And what we discover is that when Jesus promises to, to us to follow him, here's what he promises us. That when you give control over to Jesus, you gain life. You gain so much more when you give up that control and you give up that comfort to follow him. He says it's worth it. And one of the many things that I love about Jesus is that he didn't just teach about this. He actually demonstrated for us what this looks like. Because when we fast forward several days and weeks after Jesus had this conversation with his closest followers, we see Jesus in this garden of Gethsemane the night before he's actually arrested and killed. And, uh, and, and actually what we read is that he's in this garden with his closest followers. Jesus knows what is about to happen. He knows that he's about to be betrayed and arrested and beaten and killed. And he knows that he's going to free uh, people, not from the Roman Empire, but he's going to free us from something so much greater than that. He's going to free us from the oppression of our sins so that we can gain life. But Jesus, he reached a moment where he got real honest, where he, where he wasn't sure if he wanted to go through with this. In fact, he, he didn't want to. And Jesus is really anxious about what's going on. What, what some writers describe is that Jesus is so anxious that he's actually sweating drops of blood, that his blood capillaries burst. And so he's real anxious about all of this, but he steps away from his closest followers. He starts spending time with God in prayer. And I want you to notice how he prays. Here's what Jesus says in that garden. He says, my father, if it is possible, can you take this cup from me? Because Jesus didn't want to go through with it. He identified his desires and what he wanted. And, and what we learn is it's okay for us to identify what we want and talk to God about that. I mean, it, it matters to him. And Jesus identified what he wanted. And notice what he says next. Yet. Yet. 
Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is demonstrating surrender. He's giving control over to the Father. He says, this is what I want, but yet, yet I am going to give this over to you, God, and I am going to surrender, even though it's hard and even though it's uncomfortable. In fact, several moments after he prayed this, one of Jesus' closest followers led a mob to him, and this follower betrayed him. And this mob arrested Jesus, and they ended up accusing him of things that, that he did not do, but they convicted him of it, and they sentenced him to death. And it led to a horrible, horrific day where he was actually whipped with these hooks that ripped off flesh from his skin. And then he was beaten and they mocked him. They took a, 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 a thorns and they twisted it into a crown and they drove it in his head where more of his blood was lost. And then they said, hey, here's this heavy cross, the cross that Jesus told you and I to carry. He actually ended up carrying it. And he carried it to the spot that, that he was going to be nailed to it, but he actually ran out of energy because he lost so much blood. He was beaten so bad that he collapsed. They, they, and they carried him. They carried him to the spot. And, and they actually ended up taking the cross and they nailed him through his wrists and through his feet and hung him up there and left him to suffocate until he died. And as horrible as that is, and that's, that, that's horrific, What's worse is something that you and I, we, we can't even imagine. We can't even describe. In that moment, he also took on the crushing weight of yours and my sin. And he was separated from God the Father who he loves so that he could overcome and overpower our sins so that we can receive life in him. That's how much Jesus loves you and me. That's how much he is for us. That he willingly gave up his control. He surrendered himself so that he can give you and I life. And that's why he invites us to do the same thing. He says, hey, God, I, 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 I'm inviting you to do this. I know you want control. Just hand over that control because it's weighing you down. Give up that control. I know you like to be comfortable. Step out of the comfort zone because I'm going to invite you to so things so much bigger than your comfort. Just come and give this over to me. And so you can gain life. And here's what we'll discover. As we do this, we'll discover that God's outcomes are so much better than our outcomes when we do this. In fact, um, shortly after uh, I uh, uh, had that conversation with one of my closest friends, and uh, he, he pointed out how comfortable I, I, I was in Northwest Illinois. He, he called me up a day later, and he said, hey, um, I, I met, met this guy. He, he, he was actually um, coming through Milwaukee at the time. He's like, hey, I just met this new church planner, and his name is Mark, and he just started this new young church called The Ridge, and, and they're doing some really cool things, and there's a, just a, a really cool a movement that's just kind of happening as a result of this. There's a lot of people giving their life to, to following Jesus, and uh, Mark said that because they're growing, they want to bring on another staff person to help the student ministry. Uh, just kind of take off and start growing. And, and he asked if I knew any student pastors, and I gave him your name. And he said, I, I, I just want you to talk to him. And, and, and I, I heard him tell me this. I'm like, huh, Milwaukee? I mean, I, I've spent my entire life in Northwest Illinois. I told my wife uh, the word Milwaukee, and we both kind of had the same reaction. Like, Milwaukee? Isn't that where Brewers fans and Packers fans live? <laughs> That's not us. And, uh, and then we started thinking about Milwaukee as this, as this city. All we knew was rural areas. And so the idea of living in a city for us was just kind of this uncomfortable idea. We're like, huh, how is this going to work? We don't know anyone. We don't have any friends, any family members there. Like, how would that work out? And so uh, 
we said, okay, but because he told us, he gave our name to him. We'll talk to Mark. We'll, we'll, we'll see what he's like. And um, we ended up meeting Mark and, and, and hearing from him. And, and what was really cool is he started sharing the vision of what was going on um, um, in, here in Milwaukee and the vision to bring the hope of Jesus in every home in southeast Wisconsin. And we thought that was really cool. That was just a really cool vision, something that, you know, we think we could get behind. And he invited us to come visit and check out a service um, of the Ridge at the time. And at that time, the Ridge was actually meeting in a local movie theater. It was very young. And uh, they were doing the setup and tear down every week. I mean, Oak Creek Franklin, and you, you meeting in the school, you know just how, uh, how great that is, just being in an environment where you can set up and tear down and meet people and, and serve in that way. And so we just thought it was really cool, like a church in a movie theater. But we're seeing people just being just cha changed by Jesus and, and people taking steps. And we heard stories of families being reunited. We thought this was really cool. And we're talking with Mark and the staff a little bit more. And the idea of joining staff, you know, came up. And, and Mark was really great and very clear. And he said, hey, Tyler, you know, this could be a lot of fun, but just keep in mind, this is a young church and long-term success is not guaranteed at all. In fact, if you were to come up, you would uh, um, actually, it, it'd be a risk. It'd be a risk for you and for your wife as well. And, and we both heard that. And we understood uh, what, what, what he was saying. And we drove back home to our home in Northwest Illinois. And it was when we, we stepped in, in the, into the door of our three-bedroom townhouse that we were renting. We had a great deal. I mean, we loved it. And it was right when we stepped in the door, it was like this impression from God that said, hey guys, it's time. It's time to step out of the comfort zone. It's time to give up control. And we, we felt led by God and say, okay, God, we're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and give that control over to you and see what you do. And, and, and we stepped out of that zone where we resigned from our jobs. We told our friends and our family that we were moving a, a, away. And my wife didn't have a job lead in, in, in Milwaukee. We, we ended up finding a place uh, to stay at. We found a one-bedroom apartment. We actually ended up paying twice as much for that one-bedroom apartment than what we were paying for the townhouse uh, that, that we left. And, and we're like, God, this, this doesn't seem to make any sense. You know, we, we, we moved up. And, you know, as we we're moving up, we're starting to wonder, hey, God, does this mean we have to become Packer fans? I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, like, God, what's up? But, you know, we, we did that. And you fast forward, we, what we discovered, I mean, I mean that, that was 13 years ago when we made that move. Fast forward 13 years now, we would say, God, we do that over again in a heartbeat. Because here's what we discovered over these 13 years, to be a part of, of, of the movement, what God's doing here um, in Southeast Wisconsin, to see so many stories of people uh, um, having life changed, to give their lives to follow Jesus, uh, to see the stories of baptism, you know, that, that, that we're celebrating, uh, to see families and students and kids and adults just begin to experience what it means uh, to follow Jesus and how they can find life in Jesus, and to play a small part in that. I mean, it, it, it's just been really, really cool. We, we've seen our faith grow um, as, as a result of that. And, and our heart has just moved in Southeast Wisconsin. I mean, we, we couldn't imagine any other thing but being a part of this. And, and what we would see and what we discovered is that God's outcomes really are better than our outcomes. I mean, I can't imagine how empty and unfulfilled we would be if we did not make that move and did not give control over to Jesus. And so that's why Jesus invites us. He says, hey, give it up. Give it up. But trust me, Trust me that, that his outcomes are going to be better than your outcomes. Now, does that mean you're going to get whatever you want? No. No, it, it doesn't mean that it's going to turn out the way that you want. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. But we'll see that God's way is better than our way every single time. And so as I uh, begin to wrap up my time here, I just want to lovingly challenge you with this question. What in your life have you not surrendered? 
It might be a person. And you're holding on to it. And you're afraid to let it go because it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to have to let go of that control. And you already know what, what it is. Because whenever it's brought up, you start pushing back against it. You're like, ah. You start checking out. Like, you have a reason why you should hold on to that one thing and, and just keep, keep going on. What is that one thing that you have just not yet given over to Jesus and you're just trying to hold on to your outcomes for that? And once you identify what, what that is, here's what I want you to do with that. And I want you to do that this week. And, and, and here's why. God wants your, the best life for you. And so here's what it's going to look like. This week, you're just going to say, hey, Jesus, here's what I want, but not my will. Your will be done. And you give control over to Jesus, and you do it. You, you surrender that over to him. And, and it's going to look very different for a, for a lot of us as he wants us to experience his best life. And so for, for many of us, uh, this is going to be asking for forgiveness. And uh, we'll just ask that person, say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to confess this, and, and here's what's going on, and uh, I, I, I just want to ask that. You're like, oh, that might be embarrassing. That's okay. It's going to be hard. Let's confess, and, and let's ask that person for forgiveness. Others of you, it's going to be forgiving that other person. Like, they've asked for forgiveness, and you're like, ooh, you know, I've, I've held on to that hurt, but I'm going to forgive as Jesus has forgiven me. Others of us, we're going to honor God with our finances, or we're going to honor God with that relationship. And we know what God's been saying. We, we know what he's been inviting us to give control over and we've just refused to do it. We're gonna do it. And we're gonna see how his outcomes are better than, than our outcomes. Others of us, I mean, we're, we're gonna go to counseling because we've been uh, dealing with these mental health issues. He wants us to be better, um, um, uh, health, more healthy mentally. And so we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna take that step and we're going to give that over to him. And even though it's gonna be hard, even though it's gonna be difficult, we're gonna surrender that over to him. Now, still others of us, we would find ourselves in the position where we've gained the whole world and we've lost ourselves in the very process. And we're feeling empty and we're feeling unfulfilled and we have not ever made the decision to follow Jesus. And you're at the point right now where you say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender to you and to follow you and to make the decision to follow you for the first time. And if that's you right now, it, it, it is time. And I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision to follow him uh, today and, and wherever you're joining us, whether you're joining us in Oak Creek Franklin, whether you're joining us online, whether you're joining us here in Greenfield, you're ready to make that decision today. Um, here's how you do that. In just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And, and, and being it, my prayer doesn't make it magical. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make this your prayer, where this prayer is you saying, Jesus, I'm going to surrender to you and I want to follow you for the very first time. So right now, um, wherever you're joining us, I want all of us, so let's just uh, go ahead and close our eyes. Let's get ready to pray and, and, and to give control over to Jesus. But if you're ready uh, to make that decision to follow him, here's the prayer that I want you to pray. And that is, God, um, I've been holding on to it. I've been holding on to my control. I've been holding on to my comfort. I've been trying to live for myself. And, and I know that it has not worked out well for me. And I want to live for something so much bigger than myself. I want to live for you, Jesus. And so right now, I give you control. I give you my life. I make the decision to follow you right now. I know that you went on the cross and you paid for my sin and you've given me new life. You rose again to show that you even conquered sin and death so that I can receive a new life in you. So right now, I want to receive that new life. I want to follow you. I want to give all to you. I'm surrendering to you, Jesus, so that I can gain this new life in you. 
And so Jesus, it's in your name we pray. It's in your name we trust. And we say, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.